This is Coffee and Camino, and I'm Luke Mills. Um, my name is Luke Mills and this is another episode of Coffee and Camino and this morning I am with young pilgrim Rosa Ablett Johnston and we are here at the Carolina Bar and Cafe here in East Brunswick it's a very cool morning here in April and we're out in the beer garden and uh, well the garden anyway no beer this morning mm. uh, we'll, we'll just have a coffee which uh, is coming um, very very shortly now I have to admit that Rosa was put in contact with me, uh, to me, uh, by my daughter because they were flatmates together in Fitzroy. Uh, no longer flatmates, but not only due to the fact that my my daughter moved out. But no, um, no major uh, problems there. But welcome, Rosa. Thank you. Hey. Happy to be here. <laughs> it's good to be here. And we are, you know, we've been trying to get this date together for a little while. We have. We have. And I was really keen to speak to you this morning about. The Camino because you fit into that rare category of being a young person yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Rosa tells me that she is just 24 years of age but she has done a mountain of stuff uh, in that 24 years a very very interesting person so I'd like to really talk to her about the Camino and other things that she's done um, in her very short uh, but uh, very instant packed life how did you first hear about the Camino um, so I was living in Brighton in the UK uh, and I was finishing off my degree over there and I met uh, a girl called Lorena and we lived together when we were there. She's from Mexico and her church group were coming over from Mexico to walk the Camino and she invited me to go with her. So I got to do about three days with her uh, and it was just the most incredible experience and I remember getting to the uh, cathedral in Santiago and just thinking like, I have to come back here, I have to do this. There's gonna be something in my life that's gonna bring me back here. So that was a very short trip. Yeah, Where it was did you only um, about, se it was in a really small town. I started about 70 kilometers from Santiago. On the Frances way. Yes, yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes. Um, and yeah, it was just amazing. Like I loved it. I met so, and I met a lot of pilgrims who'd started in Saint Jean, and yes. that just made me want to have started in Saint Jean. So the next year, I was like, "This is what's bringing me back. I'm coming back to do the Camino." So yeah, oh, it must have made a huge impression upon you. Oh, huge! So that were yeah. you, you, her uni friends, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Right. And they ended up walking about. They walked from Osibiro, um, and I met them kind of okay. yeah just three days before we got to Santiago. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, I have very good memories of that. Yes. Being, all those blown off the mountain. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, it was, um, yeah, it's a, it's, you, it's, it's a welcome to Galicia site. Now, coffee's yes, just Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, on the latte. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, yeah that's great. Thank, thank you. you very much. Um, so, oh, okay, well, it must have, must have made a, a big impression upon you. Um, you yes. They were all Spanish-speaking, I imagine. Yes, 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 yes. Um, for the most part, they spoke Spanish. A few spoke English. Um, and Lorena was learning English which is why she was in the UK well partly uh, 
and so she and I communicated quite well but it was pretty special walking with people that could speak Spanish because yes. even when I walked again the one thing that I would say is that I really wish I'd learned a bit more Spanish because as much as you get such an incredible experience without speaking Spanish I can only imagine how much better it would be or how much more kind of magical it would be if you could really communicate with everyone yes, when you're yes. walking. Yes, that was my experience as well. Yeah. Um, the, you know, my poor Spanish um, was at least uh, enabled me to, you know, avoid some awkward situations and things like that. And mm -hmm. I'm certainly trying to do a lot now about it. But, yeah. And it's one way of yeah, meeting the locals and, so I don't know, showing some respect to the people. That's what I think so too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and because, you know... Um, English seems to become the lingua franca for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be in Europe now, everybody's second language. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, um, and so it's certainly good when you can speak um, the, 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 the local language and just get, you just get to know things. And I, you know, I tried to read newspapers and mm -hmm. watch news reports and yeah. things like that. And it really does, you know, for, for people who do go to Spain um, and you do the Camino, you're going to be there for six to eight weeks. So it's just a great way of really immersing yourself. Yeah, you? definitely. So did you improve over that period of time? I did, I think. Yeah, like I think especially that so when I walked the, the full uh, French Camino, I very much found that I started picking up a lot more Spanish. Um, I think growing up uh, in the way that I did, I have always loved languages and I yes. find not that I can pick them up very easily, but I find them kind of easy to pick up so yes. learning like little phrases here and there was actually quite uh, natural for me yes. which I felt I was so lucky but then when I walked later on the Camino Portuguese I, my Portuguese was terrible and I remember crossing into Galicia when I walked into Santiago and I was just so happy that I could use my terrible Spanish as opposed to my really really terrible Portuguese <laughs> well they say that Galician is a probably the closest relative to Portuguese. Now, I'm not a, you know, a polymath at all, but no. um, that's what I have been told because it does share a pretty long border there uh, between the two states, if you like, mm. um, and uh, they there are some sounds apparently that are very close to English as opposed to Portuguese. Yeah. So you, you, you know, it's really great to have met somebody um, who is a, a young person in the 20s because it really is in Europe, it's a young person's thing to do, isn't 100%. it? 100%. Yes, 100%. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's not particularly expensive. No. And, you, and the options are pretty cheap if you want to take oh, those... 100%. Yeah, yeah so, definitely. So how did, you, how did you sort of... What was your accommodation and what your, you know, your budget and things like that mm -hmm. for doing? What was that? Um, definitely spent between 10 and 15 euros a day on everything. So um, obviously with the, you know, municipal albergues, oh, I yes. <laughs> was able to, like, I think the most I would have spent on a like on a bed would be 12 euros maybe you know so you're looking at seven eight euros a night it was so good yes. and then because um, I'm vegan I walked cooking my own meals I didn't do the pilgrims menu meals right um, yes. which I actually preferred because I thought it was really special with the kind of Camino family that I created and yes. was lucky enough to meet these incredible people we all used to cook together in the evenings yes. and then so that was a really nice part of it and that kept it very cheap to to walk Yes, well, I, that, I mean, having been uh, a pilgrim much older than you, that's sort of an experience that um, 
you know, certainly wasn't my uh, type of experience, but it, it's, and that is the, 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 I suppose, the experience for the, the backpackers and the students, which mm. is really, um, yeah, the, we, we heard many experiences where they said they really enjoyed that sort of community aspect of yes. it. Um, the the very the albergos can vary a bit. Is yes. that right? Yes. So, yes. 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 So how was your experience? Um, I, you know, the best ones that I stayed in were Donativos. So they're the oh, ones, really? that, yeah, by far the best because they're run by people who have either walked the Camino or, you know, um, are planning to walk the Camino or they're run by just volunteers and yes. always incredible, incredible experiences. I had um, the most incredible experience in, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Estella. Estella. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so just before the wine fountain. Yes. And it was in this beautiful Donativo with these two elderly Spanish men. And it was just <laughs> incredible, you know. Like, yeah. And I always donated, but I loved the fact that there were so many people walking with less, you know, financial support than I had. Yes. Um, and they were able to stay there for free and yeah. find find something to eat that evening. Yeah. And yeah, it was really special. Yeah. Um, the albergues that I kind of, not struggled in, but I found a little bit more tricky were the really big ones. So Ooh. they are, you know, the municipal ones, but they're obviously, as the Camino Frances has gotten more and more popular, yeah. um, the larger uh, albergues have become a bigger thing. Yes. And the only thing I struggled in with those, I loved it because you got to see everyone that you'd kind of been walking around yes. and stuff. Yes. Um, but the snoring, like there'd be, you know, a hundred beds in one room and, oh, and I actually got like kind of known as the Tasmanian girl who woke up the, um, snorers and I used to ask people to roll onto their sides. Cause I was like, I can't walk 35 kilometers tomorrow, but I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Did you wear earplugs? I wore earplugs yes. every night. Yes. Yeah. Every night. Um, yeah. but you know, some people were oh. relentless with their snoring. Like I couldn't believe, some, you know, but Obviously, completely understandable. Everyone's exhausted, but and also lots of people are drinking a lot of red wine and la la la. Yeah. But especially in those big, um, in the big albergues, it was just these like it was like an echo chamber with a hundred beds, these big bunk beds and stuff. So yeah. they were a bit tricky, but I loved it. I remember when I finished, I um, a lot of people were like, I can't wait to stay in my own room, la la la. And I was like, I could keep doing this forever, oh, forever and ever. <laughs> well, it's certainly very different from our experience, but the, the where you know, we're sort of the more middle-aged type of people. And um, I suppose uh, we we did the, you know, the very small private hotels and things with yeah. the bathroom and things like that. Um, but how did you go with things like, um, well, I was going to ask the snoring and things like that, but also <laughs> the restrictions around um, the curfews mm -hmm. or having to leave in the morning. I suppose you got up early and left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what about the other restrictions around that and um, uh, just dealing with the other pilgrims who mm -hmm. might have been, I don't know, noisy when they were setting up or packing up? Did, how was your experiences with those sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I found that the only place that was really, really strict uh, with curfews was Galicia. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, in regards to the evenings, I was always so exhausted. Mm -hmm. So I was in bed pretty early anyway. And then the nights when we went out and did things, you know, like in, I'm going to pronounce these names wrong, but like Lagronios. Lagronio. Yeah. Um, in places like that, it, it was hilarious because we'd be sprinting back to the albergue trying to get back in time. Um, but for the most part, yeah. I didn't find myself staying up that late yes. any of the night. Yeah. Um, but so the curfew wasn't a huge thing for me. Yeah. Um, 
to start with, I was getting up really early um, to walk. But by the end, we kind of got like my the group that I was walking with kind of got nicknamed the late pilgrims because we were always the last people to leave the albergue. And sometimes we'd get, um, you know, the hospitalary coming in being like, get out. Um, but for the most part, I don't know, that was also part of the community thing. You know, I loved leaving with the people like that I'd met in the mornings and I loved arriving in the evenings and kind of cooking together and we'd all like hand wash our clothes together. And so for me, it was the community. So having the random little curfews here and there, I was like, oh, whatever, pop, it, pop them in. I'm, I'm happy with it. Okay, so um, Rosa informs me that she went, uh, the Camino Frances was August and September. Mm-hmm. Um, of 2019, so a pretty good time to go. August will still be quite warm. Yes. September will start to get uh, getting a little bit cooler, certainly yeah. as you got towards the end. Yeah. Um, and so the the what the albergues were thinning out a little bit as you're going, or is it still quite popular? Did no, I'd say it's pretty popular the whole time I was walking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started mid August, um, and it was. Once again, the, the thing that really kept me going was the fact that I would just be running into the same people every couple of days. Yes. And that was that, that came from having this community that started in Saint-Jean and walked yeah. all the way. And um, I found that when we hit Burgos, there was, it was almost like a brand new Camino. Um, just the switchover of people, because a lot of people started in Burgos. Uh, uh, yes. And then by the time we reached Zaria, um, brand new people. And that was, it was packed, yes. the, the last 110 kilometers. Yes. Um, that was, yeah, that was really busy. Yeah. Um, but once again, I solidified this really beautiful community that I'd been walking with, so. Yeah, so tell me a bit about this community. You say, is it, was it just a random bunch of people that, yeah. that um, somehow started at the same time, walked at the same pace. Yeah. So who was who in this community? What are some of the characters um, that were in this thing? So my first little Camino family was myself, an English guy called Toby, a Spanish guy called G, a Mexican guy called Memo, and an Italian guy called Francesco. Yeah. Um, and I met them all kind of sporadically on the first couple of days. Um, and I just think, like, Francesco always used to say, the Camino provides, the Camino provides, trust that the Camino provides. And it was a few days in, I had to stop and take a rest day because I'd just been pushing myself a bit too hard. And I wouldn't have met them if I hadn't have done that. And I ended up having this really beautiful group that I walked with for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they were just just the best people. And we're all still in, like, pretty close contact with each other. Yeah. And so they were... Because to start with, I actually... I met a few people on the first couple of days. So from St. John to Roncesvalles, I met a few people. Um, and... Then the next couple of days, I was just kind of floating from group to group. I actually didn't meet a lot of solo female travelers, which was what I was really like hankering for. Yes. And and then, but then when I met these four wonderful guys, I just felt like I fell into just like this little happy family. And we used to, we kind of all would cook together and would walk all day together. And we used to stop just on the side of the path and like, have these elaborate picnics of random like potato chips and I'd have a tomato and Toby would have an avocado and we would just kind of put everything in the center and then eat and the people that had kind of been walking not perhaps with us as a group but had always been on the same uh, amount of kilometers per day kind of nicknamed us the hungry pilgrims because they're like every time we see you're eating Um, yeah and they're really special so Toby and Memo walked all the way to uh, Santiago 
and G and Francesco both finished around Burgos. Yes. Uh, which was in itself really so sad, but yeah. it taught me such a valuable lesson of like, don't um, don't just clutch onto things that make you feel good. Accept that things are going to come into your life and things are going to leave your life. And yeah. Yeah, I think the Camino does those sorts of things. Uh, that a lot of things can be quite fleeting and um, certain places where you stay um, become special in hindsight almost and you don't yeah. really recognise what you think, oh that was a terrific place or yeah. that was a lovely person that we met and then and then they go, you may see them and you, or you may not see them yeah. again and um, so it's really uh, asked of you to, to seize the moment and to really enjoy each time uh, that you have, and that's that's you know certainly our experiences, but the wonderful people that we met. So, you you went as a solo young female. Yes. <laughs> uh, now that's uh, a pretty brave thing to do to fly to be in the other side of the world yeah. and to, to do that. So, um, you didn't have any trepidation about any of doing any of that. No, my mum always calls me. Um, obliviously positive in that I just I and idealistic I think like I just don't really I didn't think about it before I I got there and then kind of as I was arriving in because I flew into um oh Bayonne is that Bayonne yeah, yeah. Yes, it, and then it was the bus and the yes. train and the la 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 got to Saint Jean and I was like what am I doing but then I saw all these people with backpacks so I was like oh, I'll just run over and say hi to them and I met these two guys um Jack and George and we actually walked the first day together from St. John to Roncesvalles. And as soon as I got there, I was like so relaxed. And on the first morning I met this French Canadian man called Dave, and we ended up seeing each other all the way to Santiago. He was probably like one of the main, um, main figures that I kept running into. So as soon as I kind of met a few people, I was yeah. good to go. Yeah. yeah. It is, it is quite a safe thing to do. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I. You know, I'm not um, a young female person or even yeah. an older female person. Yeah. But I personally, I never felt like it was unsafe. We went at a very quiet time of the year, but um, I, there were there are occasional stories. Um, I think where uh, a, a young uh, a woman might have felt like that it was a bit intimidating if there was long stretches of forest or something yeah. like that but generally it's generally pretty good really, yeah, yeah no 100 yeah. percent. and yeah. i always felt like i think something that needs to be spoken about more and more with the camino is that the locals just want to look after you yes. so i if there was ever a moment because i did have a few moments where i was a bit nervous and the locals were just there you know happy to help and mm. i think for me especially it was the mazetta was the only time that i left when it was fully dark yes um in the morning in the I morning mean. yeah right. and i'd always just walk with someone and that yeah. was so i always felt completely safe doing that yeah yeah, yeah. And there would have been a, quite a few people out on the trail when you were yes, there. yes yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. the yeah. and um the mazetta for me was really because uh francesco and g finished in burgos and then Toby and Memo and I decided, oh, we're going to try and do a little bit by ourselves the next couple of, you know, the next week or so. Um, and so we all walked the Mazetta alone. Uh, and even though I was alone, I always felt like I could find solitude if I needed it. But if I needed to be around someone, I could also find that. So in the mornings, I'd always have someone that was walking kind of near or even um, Dave, the guy from French Canada. Um, he was kind of like a father figure on the walk. Yeah. I used to see him yeah. quite often. And he'd be like, OK, I'll walk 200 metres behind you. 
and you just have your own time, but I'm here if you need anything, you Great. know, so it was really special. Okay. Okay, now Rosa, tell us a little bit about this painting that you, or this drawing that you have here. Um, now, I'm holding up this framed, small, sort of, uh, 12 inch by 10 inch picture here of uh, Via Franca del Pietro, which is uh, now it's the oldest albergue. You're right. Is that yes, right? yeah. So it's the the oldest albergue on the Camino Frances is in Via Franca. Is in Via Franca. Yeah. yeah. And um, so this is um, like it's just like a, a pen uh, sketch done on some parchment paper, um, but uh, it was done by one of your uh, fellow pilgrims. Tell us. A about who did this? Yes, I'd love to. So um, it was done by Toby, mm -hmm. uh, who I met on. I met him in Pamplona, so he was kind of. He a was part, the Englishman. Yes, yes, the Englishman. So part of my first Camino family, um, and yeah, he just used to stop whenever we stopped in a little town. He'd always go off and do do a drawing, and I'd kind of go off and do some writing, and we'd come back together and <laughs> kind of communicate about what we what we'd been doing, but. Yeah. At this point, we were actually separated, right. um, and I had just an incredible experience with Via Franca. I can't really explain it, but it was just where all of the powers of the Camino seemed to become more pronounced to me, I guess. And um, the albergue was so beautiful, and it was so—it it was almost like a, a jungle gym in the way that you had to climb trees and stuff to get into some of the rooms. Oh and yeah, so beautiful, and I yeah. met some really amazing people, and then. I was so drawn into Via Franca, and it was just, I found it to be one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Yes. And, and I watched such a special sunset when I was there. Um, anyway, I left and eventually I reconnected with Toby, thank goodness, because we got separated and he wasn't walking with the phone and <laughs> we were just trying to find each other for a few days. Yeah. Um, and I told him, I was like, you know, I just love this place called Via Franca, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And um, when we finished the Camino, so we're in Santiago and it was our last night, went out for dinner and he said, you know, I stopped in Via Franca, I didn't stay there, but I felt like there was something special about it. So I ended up drawing this picture of Via Franca and I want you to have it. Yeah. And I just thought like, that's pretty special that he didn't even like stay in the albergue. He just felt that there was something special about the town and drew a little picture. And yeah. now I've got it in my room always. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually beautiful. He must be. I, I, it looks like he might be an, um, an artist or an architect or something. Yeah, like that because he's, he's very he's drawn, talented. He's drawn the main. Um, uh, looks like the church there because you can see the church yes. tower, the, the bell towers, uh -huh. the twin bell towers, um, and from the rooftops overlooking. Overlooking the what well, it's in a little valley, isn't it? Yes, yes very much so. And I, I remember going there, and it was very, very dark and cold and wet. And <laughs> um, when we got there, it was actually dark when we got, arrived. And th there was an albergue attached to a sort of a private room, and we stayed at the private room, yes. so it was attached to the albergue. And they mm. had a lovely drying room and things lovely. like that. And, and so I remember that one quite well. Yep. It's actually really good because. The, the wetter it gets, yep. the better they are at trying at drying out your clothes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> the, 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 certainly the places that they stay, they're used to it because people come in absolutely soaked. Saturated, yeah. And um, there seems to be racks or rooms or lines or, yes, yes, or yes. somewhere that you can just dry everything. Yes. So in Galicia, they're pretty good at mm -hmm. um, 
at doing those sorts of things. Definitely. Um, now, I also want, so straight after you arrived at, uh, and did the in Santiago, yes. and not content just to do that, you walked on to Mushia. So was that with the same group of people? Um, similar group. So I met um, two of like the most important people that I met were two female pilgrims, yeah. uh, Frankie and Claire. Yeah. Uh, and they were walking on to Finisterre and then Mushia. Yeah. And so I ended up walking with Frankie, yeah. uh, who is from Sydney, well, Brisbane, Sydney. Uh, she's an actor. And she and I just had like such a special friendship and connection, still very, very close now. Yeah. Um, and we walked together from Santiago to Finisterre and then on to Mushia. Yeah. Um, and it's such a different experience walking from Santiago because, you know, you get to Santiago and everyone's celebrating and it was so wonderful. You know, I just, the, the arriving there was just something that you yeah. can't explain. Um, and we stayed in Santiago for two days, but it was almost like our legs were like, come on, let's go again, let's go again. And so as soon as we were able to, we were off. And um, I think my... One of my favourite albergues I stayed in was actually on the path um, from Finisterre, uh, sorry, from Santiago to Finisterre. Okay. It was beautiful. This yeah. elderly Portuguese woman owned this very, very small albergue and it was so wonderful. Very yeah. small town. There were only, it was just kind of her albergue and a little yeah. cafe. Yeah. Um, and it was a deeply like reflective time yeah. because yeah. I think, and I'm sure you can relate, the last week of walking from Sar kind of Saria area to yeah. um, Santiago, celebratory. It is, yeah. you know, yeah. reflective as yeah. well, but you're like, oh my God, I'm almost there. And then you get to Santiago, which is a wave of emotions. And then you have, yeah. you know, four or five days of deep kind of yeah. reflection. Yeah. yeah. I look. I, I really didn't want to finish um, and uh, we went in, as I said, a very quiet time and when when we started and the kilometre, you know, you think see the thing and it's, you know, 600 kilometres to go and then 504, it doesn't actually mean anything. Nothing. And then when you get down to about 100, you think, oh gee, that's not far to go now. Because no. before Saria, it just seems so distant. Yes. And, and you know, I, I felt quite overwhelmed arriving in Santiago. Like, like here I am, and and it's it's all finished now. And I must admit that, uh, yeah, I shed a tear, and um, and we arrived on a, a very very dreary afternoon. And mm -hmm. and um, but it, I was quite. It's quite overwhelming, isn't it? Yes, yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah, like, yeah. I think the thing for me is, is I kind of created this kind of second Camino family, and mm. it was huge. And mm. it was a massive 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 group of italian spanish mm -hmm. myself toby and kind of frankie and claire frankie and claire are both australian um and then that was kind of it mm. and there's this huge group and we knew basically everyone that we walked past we mm. knew mm. and so arriving in santiago and just seeing there's something so special i think mm. along the camino of mm. being in the middle of nowhere and knowing everyone mm. like that's pretty special and yeah. i remember arriving we kind of all went our separate speeds because it was Toby um, Frankie and I yeah. um, when our separate speeds arrived and then I kind of was looking up at the cathedral and just thinking okay I've made it and I I was kind of a bit underwhelmed in the sense that I was like mm. oh I thought that I'd feel different you know and then um, I was like, I guess I won't cry because I'm quite an emotional person. So yeah. I was like, oh, I'll definitely cry. <laughs> got there and I was like, no crying, no, no tears. Yes. And then Toby kind of came over after maybe 20 minutes of just staring up at, and it was a very hot day when we arrived. So it was lovely, oh, okay. just baking in the sun. And all of the pilgrims that we'd um, walked with for the last, some of them the last month and a bit, some of them two weeks, 
And I remember this guy, Ricardo, came up to me and offered me a beer. And he's like, when did you get here? I was like, oh, five minutes ago. And he said, oh, sorry, I'll let you, I'll let you experience this. And yes. I was like, oh, no, I think I'm good. And he's like, no, wait, it, it's coming. Um, and so I kind of, you know, was sitting there drinking this beer. And then Toby came over and he's like, I guess we have to find somewhere to stay tonight. Yes. And it was hearing the fact that I had to plan further than, oh, okay, I'll just stay in an albergue. I just burst into tears and I didn't stop crying for like three hours yes. and in such a beautiful way I was like how am I on the other side of the world like I feel like oh I, yeah it's really hard to explain. Well you seem to be if um, certainly from from our short meeting here a very sort of uh, a spiritual person in yes. the sense that um, you leave yourself open to wonder and awe so how do you explain this, you know, the effect that it's had on you to people, to your friends back here in, in Australia? How do, you, how do you tell them about um, that? Oh, God. It's so funny. I was on the phone to a friend on the way here today to do this uh, podcast, and she was like, oh, finally, you're actually going to be just able to get it all out, because I always <laughs> want to talk to my friends about it. Um, I kind of explain it in that it consolidated everything I already believed in and was and I was able to actually fully explore what it meant to trust in the magic of every day and mm. trust in the fact that you're on the right path you know and I think at the beginning um, I would always have counted myself as a relatively spiritual person but at the beginning I didn't really know how to explain it I just said mm. oh you know I because a lot of, I, I don't know if you got this, but a lot of people asked me, you know, are you religious, are you spiritual, you know, mm. and I'd always say, oh, I don't know, I just kind of believe in energy of yeah. the earth. And by the end, I was like, definitely spiritual. I believe that there are energies at play all the time. And I, I mm. think that, especially living in a place like Melbourne, such an incredible city, but there's so much white noise that yes. it's hard to actually listen to your kind of inner narrative. And mm -hmm. that's what the Camino gives you, is you mm -hmm. have this ability to fully fall in love with mm. your own inner narrative and mm. yeah so I say that to my friends and then for me it was just the most formative experience of mm. my life you know I think a lot of uh, how, how privileged am I to have just been able to run away and walk across Spain but if, if anyone was to have that opportunity I'm like you have to take it because mm. I turned 23 on the Camino so I started at 22 um, and to be 22 walking across Spain, like really figuring out what was next for me and really mm. trying to understand the person that I was and mm -hmm. meeting people who were so interested in hearing about my life. And it wasn't in a superficial like, oh, tell me about yourself. It was like, tell me about your wants and desires. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what you believe in. And mm -hmm. for me to actually have to answer that with a genuine answer, because at mm -hmm. the beginning I was like, oh, I'm, you know, just a little Tasmanian girl wandering around. By the end, I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm trying to figure out uh, where I'm going and what uh, what makes me happy and what makes me tick, what brings me peace, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was such an exceptional experience. Yeah, that it to me um, also it it strikes me that Camino is both a solitary and a shared experience oh, because 100%. yeah, and I, I find that you do have long time because you need that personal time. Yes. As you say, you reflect and and um, you decide what's happening next and where, where have I come from to be here. But and so you, you have that time of being alone and with your own thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying, your own inner narrative and whatnot. Yeah. But. Sometimes you sort of some interrupted out of that by perchance just meeting somebody who comes up from behind you, yeah. or you sit down at the cafe with them, and then you and, and then it's a new reality of sharing something with somebody new. And 
So it's a great time, you know, for, for really to be by yourself, but be with other people as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's almost like processional, I mm. found. You know, you're all walking towards a shared goal, but you're all brought there by different, you know, factors in your life. And you, I just, yeah, I can't even say how much it just became like, you just have to trust that the mm. right people are coming and the right uh, events are coming, the right conversations are coming. and. Mm. Yeah, that's. There were so many times where I was just craving solitude, and I'd get it, and then I couldn't wait to find Toby and tell him about what I'd been thinking about. You know, there was, and I always just knew there yeah. was always, and I met some really incredible people. Like I, the the one that I always think of was there was this incredible woman called Lindsay um, from South Africa, and she. Uh, was walking with her daughter's ashes and she wanted to spread her daughter's ashes mm. in Mushia. And from the moment that I met her, I just had this sense of warmth and the mm. sense of comfort. And mm. she became kind of like a motherly figure. Mm. Um, and she would always just say, I just need to talk to my baby now. And she'd just wander off by herself and mm. have this beautiful solitude mm. with her daughter mm. and then come back and we'd have dinner together, we'd drink wine together and we'd talk about the day. And I was like, that's what we should be doing in everyday life. Yes. I think that's what the Camino taught yeah. me is I'm like, everything that I'm doing on this yeah. walk, I should be doing every day, yeah. taking time for myself, but also wanting to build the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. And that's, that's really lovely because, and it's a real sort of, um, it is a quite a European, experience yes. in a lot of ways yes. because um, well you've just mentioned that you're with lots of different um, nations and yes. uh, nationalities yes. and <clears throat> so you know the, certainly the well the people the Spanish and the Italians and the French and the, are, the, are very social sorts of people and and um, I think they, they certainly um, draw you know they have a, uh, sometimes a, a huge generalization but mm. they uh, bring a, a great deal of warmth and friendliness and but also the ability to to, to invite us to share with oh, us yes. and so it's a very European experience definitely. not just a Spanish one yes yeah. definitely yeah yeah that's you know I always used to explain that we'd always our, our especially with the second group of pilgrims that I walked with there was this guy called Nacord um, from from Spain and he just somehow every night there was 10 more people dining with us you know and he was so yeah. uh, just so much about the community yeah. that we were building yeah. and yeah. yeah it was a really special experience and I think I've always been like that I think my parents very much raised yeah. me to be like include everyone make it a yeah. big thing yeah. and and I not that I've ever struggled to find that but it was so easy to find it when you're yeah. in when you're walking the Camino yeah, yeah. yeah. now listen we are going to um, take a little bit of a break yes. in, a, in a moment but one of the things I do ask is to, to tell me about a song that uh, that is um, maybe means something to you whilst you're out there or or um, perhaps you've listened since you've come back or even remind you about the Camino what, what was that it's so funny because uh, yeah I was preparing a song in my head I was like I have like so many um, yeah. but I think the one that I'd go with is I am woman Helen right. ready yes um, yeah I started listening to it uh, it would have been at the end of the Mazetta and I had met this unbelievably wonderful girl called Claire who I'm still very close with. Um, and we just kind of had this moment of talking about how incredible women are and you know, and I told her, because I really wanted to do the Camino with my mum and I'm happy that I didn't because I think you really need to do it by yourself, as a, especially as a young woman. I yeah. think definitely need to do it by yourself. But um, 
I was saying, you know, I'm feeling really connected to my mum at the moment, you know, la la la. And I called my mum and I said, I was like, I'm just, I'm, women are so strong. And my mum was like, you know, and she started singing a few of the lines to that song. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to listen to. And I ended up walking, my biggest day of walking, I think, was about 40 Ks. Um, wow. And I was walking into Lyon. Uh, and I listened to that song on repeat for about <laughs> about three hours. I just couldn't stop listening to it, and I felt so strong with it. Felt so connected to my mom. And um, later on, when I did the Camino Portuguese, every time because the Camino Portuguese just was rained out when I walked it, it was pouring down every day, and so it was a bit harder than the Camino Frances for me. Yes. Um, but I, every time I was kind of feeling a bit low or a bit slumped over, I just listened to that song and it really like <laughs> drove me forward. Yeah, that's great. So we'll listen to, to play us out to the siesta. We'll hear um, "Iron Woman" by Helen Reddy. Okay, we'll be back soon. I am woman, hear me roar in numbers too big to ignore, and I know too much to go back and pretend. Cause I've heard it all before And I've been down there on the floor No one's ever gonna keep me down again Whoa, yes, I am wise But it's wisdom for the pain Yes, I paid the price But look how much I gained If I have to, I can do anything I am strong
and welcome to the siesta, which is the small break in the program where I'd like to explore some things we discussed earlier. Typically in Australia, we often associate walking with middle-aged and older people, whilst younger holidaymakers generally do something a little bit more adventurous. However, in the Camino experience in Spain, it's very common for students and backpackers to hit the Camino as it is an inexpensive and very social activity. I became interested in some facts and statistics of the Camino. In figures released in 2018, 28% of uh, the Camino pilgrims were under 30 years of age. That's well over a quarter who are between 18 and 30. Rosa was just 23 years of age when she made the journey. This is not so remarkable because of, the, of her age, but more so due to the fact that she was Australian, who still only make up 1.5% of pilgrims. The office of the Cathedral of Santiago keeps very accurate records going back to 2004, which makes for some fascinating reading. From the most recent figures that, which caught my attention in the 2018 report were 327,000 people, the highest ever recorded amount, arrived in Santiago in 2018. This year, in 2021, it is a holy year, which usually sees a doubling of numbers. It will be interesting to see in this pandemic whether that figure is maintained. There is still a 50-50 split between male and female pilgrims. 42% still complete the Camino for solely religious reasons, and another 47% do it for spiritual and religious reasons. The Camino Frances is still by far the most popular Camino trail. It is in fact more popular than all the other Caminos combined. The next highest is 27%, which is the Camino Portuguese, and the other eight Caminos making up the remaining 25%. Saria, the point just outside the minimum distance to receive the Compostela, is the most common departure point at 27%. But the next most common is St. Jean-Pierre de Port, which many would think is the traditional place to begin. However, that's only 10% of the pilgrims that leave from there. One of the most remarkable stats is going back to 2004, and in that year only 18 people from Korea com completed the Camino. In 2018, they outnumber Australians at over 5,600 per year. They've gone from the 50th ranked nation in 2004 to the 9th ranked nation in 2018. That's quite a growth for a country that has only 25% of the population is Christian. back. My name's Luke Mills and this is another episode of Coffee and Camino and today I am with Rosa Ablett Johnston and we are at the Carolina Bar and Cafe in East Brunswick in uh, on Nicholson Street, East Brunswick and we've been talking a lot about the Camino today and I must admit uh, Rosa is full of beans when it becomes absolutely animated when we start talking about the Camino. 
and uh, can, I can I can barely shut her up. So, <laughs> and she said she said to me today that oh, her friends would would be so happy that she's doing a podcast today because she can actually you know talk to somebody and <laughs> and uh, without boring her friends all the time. <laughs> so, uh, for show and tell. Um, Rose is um, not content with just walking the Camino. She's actually written a book, and I've got it here in front of me, and it's called Becoming Unparalleled, and it's an unpublished manuscript. But um, tell us a little bit about this, uh, Rosa, and how you came to write this book. Of course. Um, well, firstly, I've always just loved writing. I love. I used to write a lot of short stories as a kid, um, but then I kind of lost it because I found that my imagination wasn't really there. I was like, I need to go do stuff to write about. And so when I was walking the Camino, I really wanted to make sure I kind of encapsulated each moment. So I had a little journal that I walked with. And when it started with when people said something really important to me, I would write it down. There were, you know, there's little ones like uh, Francesco always saying, the Camino provides. But then there was things that people said to me that just really stuck with me. So I was like, I need to write this stuff down. Anyway, um, when I finished the Camino, I had like no money um, and my best friend uh, kind of from childhood lives in London so I was living on her floor in Clapham uh, and you know I was like I don't know what I want to do I want to walk another Camino blah 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 and she just kind of said to me like do something <laughs> you know do something you want to talk about the Camino write about it and so I kind of was like okay you know and there was this little cafe around the corner that I used to go to every morning and kind of just sit in for eight hours and write basically what was in my journal but kind of write it in a way that told the story so it was the narrative of it as opposed to just like this is how I'm feeling today oh my legs are sore or whatever mm -hmm. and anyway in like two days I wrote 15,000 words so I just suddenly realized I was like this needs to come out of me this is there's so much in there that I need to write about um, and so I kind of kept writing and then I decided to come home for Christmas and then when I was home I decided to audition for a drama school which is what I'm doing now and I didn't end up going back to Europe and I kind of put the book aside thinking you know I'll get back to it I'll get back to it and it was actually in the COVID uh, period in Melbourne during the lockdown mm -hmm. when I really committed to finishing it yes and it's so it sounds a, it sounds all a bit you know airy-fairy to say this but like I feel like the Camino saved my life like it really like when I when I walked it not that I was gonna live an unhappy life or anything but it really put me back on the path that I was supposed to be on mm -hmm. and I lost that when I got home mm -hmm. and it's almost like the Camino saved my life 2.0 when I got to write about it again mm -hmm. and so I did the bulk of, write, of the writing in about three weeks. I wrote, um, I kind of did, you know, a couple of thousand words here and there throughout the year, especially during lockdown. But I had a three week break from my course that I was studying. Um, and I just would get up every morning and write all day in the garden and then go to bed at night and then do it again in the morning. And I, it was just a continuous thing. And I became, for lack of a better word, I just became obsessed and I really wanted to finish it. And I felt, and then when I did finish it, it just, I don't know, I was like, I've now encapsulated everything that happened on the Camino in a book that I can keep for the rest of my life. Okay. So tell us about this book. Is it a, um, is it a journal? Is it, is it your personal uh, musings and your reflections? And what sort of shape does the, um, does the book take on? So the book takes on, it starts basically day one to day 33, I want to say, which is how long the Camino took me to walk to Santiago. Um, 
and it's kind of separated into six parts, so I'd say six chapters. Um, but it's a true, completely true retelling of the walk that I experienced and all of the people that I met. So to start with, it's very much about me and my reasons for doing the Camino. And then it very, very quickly morphs into the people that I met. And so all of the lessons that I learned, all of the experiences that I had, um, and all of the unbelievable people that I got to meet along the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. So it's a real personal account yes, of yes. of the um, of the Camino. And in in the break, we were we were talking about this. Um, uh, you know what the sort of effect that it does have have on you. Um, it's. How, how would you describe the, I mean, you've written a whole book on it, which I haven't written, but how would you describe the, you said it almost saved your life, and what what would you say has been sort of the, your real takeaway from, um, from, from doing that Camino and also writing the book? Um, I think the the title of the book would actually yes, answer tell us that about question. The tell us yeah. about the title. I, I was like, when you Becoming said the, Unparalleled yeah. is the name, yes. So um, I kind of, it's it sounds kind of conceited to say it, but I think I, my whole life I'm like, I'm made for bigger things. There's big things waiting for me, you know, and I never knew how to kind of describe that. I'm like, oh, what is it though? I have a path and I want it to be bigger than it is right now. And um, when I was walking across the Mazetta, as you would remember on the Camino, there's so much graffiti, so much graffiti. And, yeah, yeah, and yes. a lot of it's really beautiful. Like yeah. uh, these quotes, I remember one of them is, smile, you're beautifully full. And I was like, I am beautifully full, like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, and when I was walking across the Mazetta, uh, you'd remember the 17 kilometer stretch where there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Across just so many rocks was this phrase, be unparalleled. And I was like, what does that mean, be unparalleled? And, you know, a few days later when I had Wi-Fi, I just Googled the term unparalleled. And it was simple, you know, without unpar- sorry, without a parallel, you know, um, exceptional. Oh. And I thought, oh, exceptional. Like, am I exceptional? Like, you know, I want to be exceptional. <laughs> and... That's what the Camino became about for me was becoming unparalleled because every single person in the world and every single person's path and journey is unparalleled. It's about accepting and like uh, accepting that you are unparalleled, but also learning how to kind of find your unparalleled path and and walk along it. So yeah, the the biggest thing that I took from the Camino is that I am unparalleled and that the the path that I'm taking is unparalleled. Well, it's not necessarily going to be the same path as other people. Exactly. And you you have to find your way sometimes um, to do that. Um, And that might be doing conventional things or it might be doing unconventional things. Well, exactly. I think, you know, and in in this day and age, especially, I think, I, I mean, it would be for everyone, but especially for people of my generation, there's these markers of success. And at the end of the day, the only marker of success should be like your happiness. Yes. And... That was something, you know, I've spoken to my friends so much about this idea of being unparalleled. You know, I've got I've got friends who are actors, I've got friends who are in hospitality, I've got friends who are in corporate, mm-hmm. doctors, teachers, lawyers. And at the end of the day, like what makes you unparalleled and what makes your path unparalleled is completely and entirely unique to you. Mm. You know, it could be um, buying a house, mm. getting married, having kids and getting a dog, or it could be living out of a backpack for the rest of your life. And I think finding what makes you unparalleled is what um, the Camino really, really taught me is kind of the most important thing for your own 
their path. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's right. And you know, in, in the break, we were also talking how about it. Um, it's a real time out of your life, isn't yes. it? Um, uh, no one does a Camino by accident, so everybody no. everybody's got a really good reason for going. Uh-huh. And um, and whether that is a uh, a gap in your study program or a loss of a job or loss of your a partner or spouse mm-hmm. or you, you know um, or you might have been sacked or or, or whatever um, it's and it's that's the real beauty I think about about the Camino too is because yes. once you discover that you think well this is what I'm doing and then when you look across the across the wherever you are it might be out in the in the plaza or somewhere or um, or in a church or in a cafeteria or something all the pilgrims they've all got their own stories yeah and we we you know we, it's up to us to sort of to try and to discover what they are but they're yeah. pretty much on the same path because it's a big part out of your life a hundred percent yeah yeah so it's it's not something that you can do just say oh well, I'm gonna start today yeah. because you have to you have to really um, be prepared and you have to really plan and then yeah, and be prepared to do that for yes. six to eight weeks. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think it's such a special time because people really want to know you and you really want to know other people's stories. So it, it you know, it starts with, oh, what are your reasons for doing the Camino? Like, yeah. la, la, la. But by the end, it's, you know, oh, I lost my job and I ended a 10-year relationship yeah. and, you know, all these different things. And you're suddenly, you know, you've known someone for a day. But I like to refer to it as, like, Camino time. Yes. Because I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Some of these people I knew for two weeks. But in my head, I'm like, no, but I've known them for years. Yes. Because it's such a an intense amount of time that you spend with them and you're having you kind of jump yeah. straight into deep conversations yeah. with people yeah. so yeah I um, I've spoken to a few people the one one uh, uh, girl or woman that I spoke to is a young woman um, she wanted to know whether she should marry her fiance you know so yeah. that was a, a big thing that was looming for yeah, her wow. and um, you know oh god should, you know so the Camino provided that sort of I hadn't heard of that type of experience before but mm-hmm. obviously to get married um, is a big experience so yeah people really sometimes need that time and it, it's um, that Camino time it's really time out of life isn't oh, it? Oh 100% yeah. you know yeah, yeah like as I was saying before like it, you have the kilometers in front of you and the kilometers behind you and everything else is just not it's not on your radar you're just focused on i don't know i think a lot of people that walk the camino are lost in some way yeah. you know and i think being lost is such a beautiful thing because how exciting is it to find yes. what you're you're missing you know yeah. and i think the something that i always think about is the little yellow arrows yes. that are guiding you towards santiago and how Physically, you're not lost. Physically, you are on a path that's taking you, but you know, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you can be so lost, but physically, you know where you're going and how beautiful is it to know exactly kind of where you're going? Not necessarily the places, but just you know that you're gonna stay on this path and you get to explore where you know you want to be spiritually yes. where you want to be emotionally and mentally and there's not that I, I no, I actually don't think that there is anything that you can do in life that allows you to do that in the same way that the Camino allows you to do that yeah it is it's it's it, it really is a, a fantastic experience yeah. and um, everybody who I know who's done it has has you know had really have had um, you know I've had lots of conversations with lots of people and just it had a, it's had a, either a life-changing or a healing type of um, uh, effect, and 
in the break we were, we were talking also about the, the different types of stages that yes. um, the, the Camino has had and you were saying that um, towards the beginning it was like a healing this is with your chosen or your your community that you um, yes, had yes, and yes. then that changed that that healing process changed over the course of the Camino so tell us a little bit about that well actually that's kind of the way that my book is um, divided you know at the beginning everyone said well not everyone for me my experience was that everyone was searching for this solitude and we needed to be alone to heal because I mean, for the most, like, I had ended a really uh, big relationship. Uh, most of the people that I met were either grieving uh, the, the loss of a loved one, uh, had just quit a big job, or had ended a very long-term relationship. So there is that moment of healing, and there's something um, almost uh, meditative about hearing your feet on the yes. on the ground. Yes. And I remember talking to friends back home, and they're like, "There's something about your feet. You, I can just hear the crunch, crunch, crunch." <laughs> and that was, you know, the kind of that, yeah, the healing for me. Yeah. And I think it was healing for everyone. Um, and then you kind of go through the social. What that's what I found is you meet these people and you start, you know, drinking copious amounts of wine and <laughs> eating all of this amazing food. Um, and then f for me personally, we kind of all had that beautiful social moment and then we were like, you know what, let's reflect a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, the healing process isn't over yet. You're healing the whole time and beyond, you know, um, the Camino. Um, and then by the end, you've had this intense reflection, this intense healing, I think. Mm -hmm. And then it's just all celebratory. You know, you're <laughs> like, oh, we're almost there. And I had a similar experience to you where I didn't want it to end. No. I really didn't want it to end. But also something that kept driving, I was being pulled, that's what I felt, I was being pulled to Santiago and there's this one bit of graffiti that sticks out in my mind and it said, you know, the real Camino starts after you've left Santiago and I'm like, wow, because life is a Camino, you know, and that's, I think, something that we're all marching towards, we're marching towards, okay, I've done the healing, I've done the, the really social stuff, I've done this deep reflection and now I get to go back to my life with all of these incredible lessons that I've learned. And well, do you think, you know, in a post-Camino type of world now, do you think it's, you know, we've just ended our lockdown here in Melbourne. It's yeah. uh, where we haven't had any um, any real restrictions now for about three or four months. Yeah. And um, life's beginning to open up again. And to, in the post-Camino world, what, what lasting effect do you think it's had uh, just coming back and starting your life again in, in, um, uh, in Melbourne? Um, oh, just so much. Um, I'll try and uh, condense it. Like, the Camino taught me how to love myself. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I and who I who I am and who I'm trying to be. You know, we're, we're trying to find out who we are for the rest of our lives. I definitely understand that. But yet, yeah, taught me 100% how to love myself and what I needed to do to maintain that love and the path that I want to be on. Um, but it also really taught me that you need time of reflection for sure and also just solitude you need that mm -hmm. as human beings we need it and um i mean i feel like a lot of people who want to walk or who have walked the camino would have read the alchemist as well but there's a bit in the alchemist where it talks about um your heart is always sending you messages and if you consistently ignore those messages eventually your heart will either stop sending them or you just won't be able to hear them anymore mm -hmm. and how sad is that that you became basically become like a stranger to your own heart mm -hmm. and I think that's what the Camino really highlighted mm -hmm. to me is that I'm like I'm always getting messages sent mm -hmm. to me always by you know events but also just by my my own heart and my own soul 
and it taught me really how to listen to that. So mm-hmm. coming coming back to Australia, it's like when you get a you know sneaking feeling in your stomach or all these different things I'm like that's your body and your heart trying to communicate with you and on the Camino I followed it I was like okay yeah I should I should stop here or I should continue going or you know and there was always something that would I don't know I'd see the best sunset I'd ever seen or something like that um and so yeah coming back to Melbourne it was very much about finding those times of reflection but also finding those times to make sure that I'm still connected to my heart and my soul so yeah you're really trusting in those feelings yes. too that that you when you hear those messages come from inside to to yeah to not ignore it and to try to act upon it yes. okay what can I do from this point in day? Yes. becoming in touch with in touch with those feelings yes. and and having confidence uh, to act upon those yes, things yes definitely uh, and um, that's you know when you're a, a young person, sometimes you might um, you might not have you know uh, that confidence to do so. As you yes. get older, I think you become a little bit better at it. Yes, definitely. But, but certainly, um, you know that instinct that uh, have, you have to really is something that um, you need to develop. And I think, yeah, the, them, I'm really you know it's such a, a great gift that you have to be able to do that. Oh, and, how and lucky! Yeah, 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 definitely. And you know, my friends when I saw them all, they were like, "You're so sure of yourself. You know, you're not." dilly-dallying around what you want or what you want to say or how you're feeling you just say it I'm like yeah that that was the Camino like you know the amount of trust you have to put in yourself to do something like that and it's funny because I think a lot of people have said to me like oh it's so brave that you did that I didn't really think it was brave I was like I have to do this I I need to do this and now I think about it I'm like obviously with the pandemic last year I wasn't able to but I was going to go back and walk the Camino again I wasn't sure if I'd do the Camino Frances or a different one but I'm like this is something that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life I think because it resets you entirely yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, that's right well listen we might wrap that up now and Rosa it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you here it's so nice I've been with Rosa Ablett Johnston here at the Carolina Bar and Cafe in East Brunswick uh, in Nicholson Street and thank you very much for sharing all your stories and and thank you we hope to see that in a a published manuscript (laughs) somewhere Um, um, and thank you for joining me this morning on Coffee and Camino thank you so much for having me Okay.